We're at the end of our series on roadkill. And this series, for those of you who are watching, those of you who have never, maybe haven't heard uh, one of our series before on roadkill, talking about 10 of the most common animals in America that are road and ultimately die. And then taking a spiritual application from that. 1 Peter 5.8 has been our text through this all. It says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Satan's desire is to destroy you. We've said this just about every week of this series. His desire is to destroy you. He's not your friend. He's not your partner. He's not your buddy. He wants to tear you down. He wants to ruin your life. He wants to ruin your family. He wants to ruin your church. He wants to destroy your walk with Jesus. It's just what he does. He hates you. And unless we take the under, unless we get into our mind the understanding that sympathy for the devil, as the old song uh, goes, or partnership with Satan and anything is dangerous to your spiritual health, will not understand how dangerous that is. Our last animal is actually a group, maybe I should say a flock, um, and it's birds, and we're going to narrow that down a little bit, but last animal that we're going to be talking about is birds, and I'm hoping that we get through this message today because this is supposed to be the end of the series. Collisions with, believe, with vehicles are believed to be among the top five direct causes of bird mortality in the United States. Now, when you think about that, that's pretty heavy duty that that uh, being hit by a, a car is one of the top five reasons birds die. Birds are hunted, birds kill each other, birds die from uh, weather exposure, but being hit by cars is one of the top five reasons they get killed. It's estimated, and it's very difficult to get a, a solid estimate as you can see from these numbers, but it's estimated that between 89 million and 340 million birds are killed on the roads in America Today, that's a lot of birds to be killed by cars, and it's a sad fact, especially when you consider the fact that birds should be able to avoid the road altogether. Of all the animals we've talked about, to me, the bird is the one that, I guess I would just say, has no excuse. Truly, birds can fly. There is no need for a bird to be in the road. There's not a need for a bird to be near the road. Yet birds are killed literally by the tens of millions every year. But as I studied further, as I, as I researched further into birds and why birds get killed and how they get killed, it came down to one that I just couldn't let go of. And as I studied that bird, I found out that being hit by a car in America is the number one killer of eagles in America. Shocked me. The number one killer of eagles in America is being hit by a car. <clears throat> eagles have no business being roadkill. They just don't. There are several theories and suppositions that can be made, but when it comes right down to it, Eagles get hit on the road because of one immutable truth. They forget who they are. Eagles are not frogs. Eagles aren't snakes. Eagles aren't turtles. Eagles aren't skunks. They aren't squirrels. They aren't armadillos. They're not raccoons. They're not possums. Eagles aren't even deer. They're eagles. They're the greatest of raptors, the most powerful birds of the air. Eagles are symbols of beauty, bravery, courage, honor, pride, determination, and grace. Think about that. How many of you have ever stopped when you were driving to look at an eagle? You've been maybe even driving down the road and there's an eagle. I remember coming back from Northampton, uh, it was a year or so ago, Aaron and I were coming back from Northampton. I remember it had to be that long ago because the boys were in school <laughs> and it was just Aaron and myself. And we were coming back down Route 5. We decided not to take 91. We we're going to come down Route 5, go around Mount Tom and come through Holyoke. And we saw some cars stopped on the side of the road. 
And I was wondering what it was, and we looked over, and there in the middle of a field was an amazing eagle, huge eagle. It was a bald eagle, white, just snow white head. And people were just stopped, and one guy had his camera out, and people, people do that. When, when you see an eagle flying, it's a big deal. Because eagles are just amazing creatures and amazing birds, and people want to catch a glimpse of them. Eagles can fly the highest of any bird. They can fly over 10,000 feet in the air. Eagles can fly over two miles high, high enough to fly above storms. Eagles become roadkill when they stop acting like eagles. Counterfeit eagles die when they shouldn't die. The reason I feel so bad about eagles dying on the road, I think it's the saddest of all the animals I've studied for this series. Because a dead eagle on the road from being roadkill is such a wasted life. God compares us, his children, to eagles, doesn't he? In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not faint. At the end of this series, I can confidently and boldly say this. Christians have no business being roadkill. Christians have no business being roadkill. We weren't designed to be. We are not equipped to be. It's not what God has for our lives. And yet thousands of believers have died spiritually. Thousands are in danger of spiritual irrelevancy right now. And if we aren't careful, we'll continue to lose more and more by our inaction and our shallow, lazy approach to discipleship and personal growth. We have become, the church in America today has become shallow and lazy. Just the fact of the matter. It's become shallow and lazy. We have, we, we entertain our congregations and, think, and, and we call it worship. We have pastors that spend more on their outfits to wear on the platform then the church gives out in aid to single moms and families struggling. Seriously, there's a website you can go to. Or is it a website or a, uh, a, a, a Twitter tag? And this guy, he follows like three or four different pastors. And he takes pictures of their shoes. Because the shoes they wear, one pastor wears $800 Nikes, and he changes those shoes every week. Tell you what, you talk to a single mom or a senior citizen who's on a fixed income, and you ask them, or talk to a struggling family, ask them right now in the middle of COVID how far $800 would go for them. And yet we have turned our leaders into celebrities. And we have become so shallow that we, we depend on the government to tell us whether or not we can meet. And our church is no longer, I remember there was a day, many of you may have grown up during those times, and I'm not saying that this is the way it has to be now, but I remember growing up where we went to church, we went to Sunday school, and after Sunday school was Sunday morning service, we went home and had lunch, and then we'd go outside and play for a little while, and then we'd have to come back home because we had Sunday night service. And before Sunday night service, we had another Bible study that was broken up according to age groups. And then, in the middle of the week, we had Bible study. That, in fact, people were committed to that kind of a Christian lifestyle. And now, now, I my inbox... My email is flooded with how great it is now that we've become a digital church, that the church today has become digital. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you're watching on Facebook. I'm so thankful you're watching on YouTube. And if, if, if you're watching on Facebook and YouTube, the reason it's out there is because, the reason we put it out there is because some people can't get to church. 
We have people that are in areas of this country and this world that watch us that can't be here, that can't go to church where they're at. There's an individual that uh, has watched us and downloaded from us that lives in Iran. It's not like there's good Baptist or good, good gospel preaching churches on every corner of Iran in Iran. But let's be honest. One of the reasons that this is so appealing to so many people is because Christians have become lazy today. And it's much easier for people to say, I'll do church by sitting, I'll do church. Not I won't go to church. I'll do church today by sitting on my couch with my coffee and my pajamas instead of getting up and going to church. See, if we are not careful as the church in America and as New Life Church, if we're not careful and if we won't stand up in our own lives, in our own homes, listen, I've got two nine-year-old boys. Now, they're at the age right now where they think it's fun to go to church. I'm happy because that's what, that's, I love going to church. It's, 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 it's I, I consider it really a good time. I do, I love going to church. <clears throat> but I know the day's gonna come when my sons, I'm gonna have to be dragging them out of the bed on Sunday morning because they're going to be teenagers. And I've been through that before. I know what it's like. I know what, I had three kids that drove themselves to church when they were teenagers. And uh, I had to threaten their lives to make sure that they were there. Except for Zach. Zach would always, Zach's problem was whether or not his car would make it to church. (laughs) But I had to threaten their lives to make sure they showed up. So I know that's coming. But I'll guarantee you that's a fight that is not even going to be a fight in our home. Because I know the value of being in church and I know the value of having my children in church. And if we don't start taking it seriously, if we don't start living and acting like the eagles that God called us to be, then we are going to continue to see Christians wane away into irrelevancy. And we're going to continue to see our faith dwindle down to where no one will stand up and say, enough is enough. Counterfeit Christians die or become spiritually spiritually irrelevant when they shouldn't. How can we prevent ourselves from being roadkill like eagles? I mean, think about that. An eagle... (laughs) An eagle, of the majestic eagle getting hit on the road. How can we avoid becoming counterfeit Christians? I think a good start is by learning the lessons that these counterfeit eagles fail to learn. The first lesson I think that they forget is this. Naturally, eagles only flock with other eagles, not other birds. Did you know that? Eagles won't flock with other, with other birds. Eagles, will, eagles don't flock together much at all. Okay, they're normally lone wolf animals. Lone, they're usually alone. But, bird, but eagles will only flock with eagles. They won't flock with other birds. Naturally, they won't. Eagles are different from other birds. They're a different kind of bird. They are the top of the line bird. Eagles literally, here's some eagle facts. Eagles literally fly above the storm. You may have heard this before. Eagles literally fly above the storm. Did you know that when storms are coming, uh, you can watch birds, you can tell, I guess, by birds with hurricanes are coming in and there's big, birds will run away from the storm. They'll find shelter, they'll find some place to be, but not eagles. When an eagle sees the storm, An eagle flies into the storm, and the eagle will use the power of the storm. This is so cool. An eagle will use the power of the storm to fly higher and higher and higher until finally he's above the storm. And when that eagle is above the storm, it will then soar. They use the storm's own energy to rise higher. 
An eagle's wingspan, now this is crazy, an eagle's wingspan is between six and seven feet. Six and seven feet. That's taller than me. Which, well, that's really not, really not that big of a deal, but between six and seven feet. It's one of the largest of raptors, and it generates amazing power with its wings. Amazing power for hunting. Bald eagles can dive, listen to this, bald eagles can dive at over 100 miles per hour. They tuck their wings and just go. And there, there are some estimates that have been seen where a bald eagle has, di has, uh, has dived at up to 150 miles an hour. Golden eagles routinely dive at 150 miles an hour. 150. And they've been estimated to reach speeds of up to 200 miles an hour in a dive. <clears throat> when they hunt, they get their prey. The roadkill problem for eagles begins when they follow other birds into dangerous situations. When they act like a vulture or other scavengers, and that's exactly what happens. Eagles will follow other birds, they'll follow vultures, and they'll even chase them off of roadkill. And they'll scavenge on the side of the road from a dead animal. An eagle has no, business, an eagle has no need to eat roadkill. It has all it needs to be able to hunt and kill to feed itself. Believers get into trouble when we act like the world. When we act just like the lost world by those who have not been regenerated by Jesus Christ, when we have to be just like them, we get ourselves into trouble. When we have to have the same success, when we have to have the same size house, when we have to have the same size bank account, when we have to have the same cars, when we have to have the same things that the world has, we get ourselves into trouble. Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24 says, but that is, now, that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Exodus 9, 16 says, However, I have let you live for this purpose, to show you my power and to make my name known on the whole earth. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. To make known God's power and to make Jesus famous in this world. That's our purpose, our call, the reason we are here as followers of Christ. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the reason you are here is to make him famous, to share his love and grace and compassion with the world, not to be like them. We're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to stand out like eagles. Listen, when a storm comes and you see a bird flying high above the clouds, you don't think it's a sparrow. You don't think it's a robin. You know it's got to be an eagle because only eagles fly that high. Christian, there's a great parallel there. That when the storms and struggles of life come in, we don't cower in fear and run like the world. We have the God of all creation on our side. We have the God of all creation standing up for us and encouraging us and strengthening us and giving us what we need to endure. Uh, we don't have to depend on Oprah for our information. We don't have to worry about when the ballots are all counted. We know that God is still on the throne and that he is the source of our strength. And he is the one that is ultimately in charge. And when we start acting like that, that is when the power of God flows through our lives and we have our greatest victory. Philippians, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore come, about, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. <laughs> and now those of you who grow up in, in hardcore um, uh, fundamentalist families, the, 
I'm not going where you think I'm going with this, okay? Because we're not, that, that does not mean that you come out from among the world and look like a freak, okay? I went to, uh, I went to a Christian high school, and then to my, for the first Bible college I went to, where you had to, your, there were very strict regulations on your hair for a guy. Your hair had to be taped. I started growing a mustache. I went back to speak at chapel in the high school I graduated from and I kind of chuckled because I was breaking the rules because I had a beard and I shaved my head. That school was so strict and so crazy about being separate that they banned their, their high school boys from shaving their heads because athletes were shaving their heads and they didn't want them to look like the world. That's not what this is talking about. What this being separate is talking about is coming out from the attitude and the pursuits of the world. From coming away from the idea that it's all about the money, that it's all about the possessions, that he who dies with the most toys wins, that the morality that you choose to live by is your own morality and your own choice. Man, that's not what the Christian should be doing. We live according to the word of God. Coming out from the world and being separate means that we come out from their mentality and their worldview and their morality and we start living according to the Bible. And that doesn't mean that you wear a three-piece suit and tie with a button-down collar on your shirt to church. We even let people with Yankees gear in here. Right? But we are called to be different. Why? What is the purpose of that? God never does anything by mistake. And he doesn't do anything without a purpose. The purpose of us coming out from the world and being different is because we need to look and act different because Jesus makes a change in your life. He takes your, he gives beauty for the ashes of your life. He takes the jumble and the jigsaw puzzle that you've made of your life and he puts the pieces together and makes a beautiful picture of what you had messed up. And now we live as an example to the world of what can be if we allow Jesus to live through us. Philippians 3.8 says, More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. You know what that word dung means? It's not the manure pile. That word dung literally means dog food. Isn't that crazy? I consider, I don't know about your house. Now, once in a while, we'll, we'll get like on Thanksgiving, the dogs had a feast. They had kind of what we had. But I'm not going to go to the, we keep our dog's food in a bin. We have three dogs. We keep, our, keep it in a bin. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to go get a scoop of that stuff and pour some milk on it and chow down. It's not my idea of a good time. I don't feed my boys what I feed my dogs. But Paul said, the things that I have gained in my life, the things that I can do on my own, are nothing compared to what Christ wants to do through me. And that's what it means to be separate and different from the world. That I show the world a better way of living, not because I'm a superior person, but because I have a superior God that I serve. Because I serve Jesus Christ, and he has made me something valuable in his sight. Oliver James says, why are you trying so hard to fit in when you're born to stand out? I'd rather die for a worthy cause than live for less than I was meant to be. I love this quote. I, I searched and searched and searched and couldn't find who said it because I always like to give credit to the original uh, speaker. So I had to list it as unknown. I actually found several people who have used it. You can't be who God called you to be and still keep all, uh, keep all the same friends and habits. Elevation requires separation. Separation. 
every loss isn't really a loss. You think about that as far as an eagle goes. Elevation does require separation. Elevate, for, for an eagle to fly as high as it can, it has to get away from the rest of the birds. It has to be different than the rest of the birds. It has to use everything that God has created it with so that it can reach its peak, its height. Hey, Christian, if you can't see the parallel there between us and an eagle, you're just not trying. We were born, when we were born again, when Christ took over our being, when the Holy Spirit took possession of us, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, we were born again. Our name, the name of our church comes from that new life. That's why we are named new life, because of the new life in Christ. And because of that, we are separated from the old life. And if we're going to elevate ourselves that elevation requires separation from the old life. <clears throat> As a Christian, you avoid being roadkill by being distinctly Christian. That means you're, be, you're seen and recognized as an obvious and overt child of God. It's not that you just sing it up here. See, Mary, you choose the music and God uses it in the sermon. I went to Big Y and I had to buy a few things, and I picked up some Coke Zero, and I put it in the bottom of the cart, and I checked out, and I started walking out, and the kid that was watching the, I used the, the self-checkout registers, and the kid that was watching there didn't notice, and I didn't notice until I went on the corner, but I never, I never cashed out the Coke Zeros. Now, nobody saw. I could have walked out and saved myself $10. But I turned around, I looked at him, I said, oh man, I forgot to, I forgot to pay for these. Scanned them, put them back in. Then I saw uh, a friend and chatted. And you may think, well, you know, that's just the right thing to do. But you think about people that don't do the right thing. And it's human nature to just say, hey, listen, I'm gonna save 10 bucks. But as a Christian, I have to look at myself and say, is $10 worth my integrity? It's $10 worth my character. And it's not just two cases of Coke Zero that we do those things with. We do it with our time at work. We do it with what we claim on taxes. We do it with how we live among our society. What does your reputation as a Christian mean to you? What value is there for you, how do you live that among the world? We live distinctly Christian when we, do, when we try desperately to make a difference for Jesus with our life. And we live distinctly Christian by not being ashamed of our faith. The second lesson that eagles, I think, forget that we need to learn from is this. Eagles have amazing vision. As I studied more into an eagle and their vision and their eyes, it's amazing. Eagle's eyes don't move. An eagle's eye, did you know that an eagle's eye, as small as they are, you know, they, they weigh about 30 pounds. As small as an eagle is, their eye is almost the same size as a human being's eye. Their eyes take up the majority of their skull. And their eyes are fascinating uh, creations of God. Eagles can see an, uh, another eagle up to 50 miles away. They can see clearly at about eight times the ability of a human being. They have about eight times better vision than human beings. They can see, now this is crazy, eagles can see out of each eye independently. And eagles have uh, monocular vision and binocular. We have you ever done that little game where you cover one eye and then try to reach for something or try to move? It's very different with just one eye. You don't have the depth perception. But eagles can see out of each eye independently. And eagles have, uh, there, there's a, a part of the eye called the fovea. Eagles have two fovea in each eye, which means not only they can, can they see ahead of them, they can see to the sides. Eagles have 340 degree vision. 
They literally see panoramically. They don't have to turn their heads. In fact, their eyes won't move like that. Eagles don't have to turn their like we have to. We have to take our, our phones. I don't know if the, I know iPhones do the panorama. I don't know if the other phones do. But you have to do the panoramic shot like that. Eagles can see that. They don't have to move their head. Eagles can can also quickly quickly shift focus. They have the, essentially they have the ability to zoom in with their vision. Kind of like you're a phone or a camera. Eagles can zoom in with their vision. It allows them to focus. Now this is crazy. They can focus and distinguish a rabbit in a field up to three miles away. or any other animal they're hunting. Eagles can also see a wider range of color than we can. That allows them to to differentiate between small differences, changes in colorization. And that helps them as they're hunting. And they can also see UV light. Kind of like what we use the blue lights for. They need to see three miles. Why, do you see why it's just a waste for an eagle to die on the road? There's no need. There's no need for an eagle to eat roadkill when it can see from three miles away anything that moves and distinguish whether or not that's alive. It can distinguish from three miles away whether that's a rock or a rabbit. And then it can dive at 100 miles an hour. Ain't no rabbit getting away from that. And eagles can see fish below the surface of the water. They can see through the water and see fish. And what's crazy is eagles can tell because of their amazing vision. Just think about this. Eagles can tell because of their amazing vision how deep in the water that fish is and whether or not it's close enough to the surface, so do Christians. The greatest danger for our lives is not setting our sights too high, it's setting our expectations too low. You see, Christian, I believe that the greatest danger for our lives is not setting our expectations too high. And have you ever had anybody tell you that? Maybe when you were younger, your parents said, oh, you know what, you'll never become that. We don't have the money to send you there. You're going to have to settle for this. And it breaks your heart when you don't reach your goals. Man, that's not the greatest danger. The greatest danger is as Christians setting our expectations too low. Now, God can't use me. God can't do this with me. God can't change me. You ever been in a battle for your life? where you just know that the battle is bigger than you, hey, that you can beat that giant. There's just no, and I'm not trying to be metaphorical. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm being dead serious, man. You look at your life and you know, you just know there's no way in your own strength that you can beat that giant. And you determine in your life that you're going to live with that dysfunction because you just can't win that battle. That's living like a roadkill eagle. Because the greatest danger in our lives is not setting our expectations, not, not uh, setting our sights too high. It's setting our expectations too low. God, yes, you may not be able to win that battle, but God sure can. Eagles and believers become roadkill when we don't use our vision to avoid trouble. When we simply see the present situation and circumstances instead of the potential danger they pose. Living for the moment rather than living for a lifetime. How many marriages are on the rocks now because one of the members of that marriage lived for the moment rather than lived for a lifetime? When you made that commitment, that was a commitment for a lifetime, not for a moment. How many times have we sold our integrity down the road for something that lasts momentarily? 
when we should have been living for a lifetime. <clears throat> for example, the second leading killer of B.E. Bald Eagles, the, for the leading, remember, the leading killer is being roadkill. You know what the second leading killer of bald eagles is? Lead poisoning. Lead poisoning. And it's not from being shot because it's illegal to shoot bald eagles in America. Bald eagles eat dead animals that have been shot. And they eat the pellets from the, uh, from the shotgun. And that lead gets into their body and poisons them and kills them. You see, if eagles would use the gifts that God has given them and their vision to hunt rather than just, you, just, just taking the lazy way out, those are two, the top two killers of eagles would be null and void. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no word from God, or Old King James says, where there is no vision. Where there is no, vi where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what they have been taught are happy. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. John 10, 10, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, have may, ha that they may have life and have it in abundance. I look at John 10, 10, and I see two different, uh, two different ideas about the salvation that we're given. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life. That is being, that is be, uh, giving, being given eternal life, being born again. The second part of that verse says, and life more abundantly, that is the life that he has for us. And don't think we're talking about money, but that's where everybody's mind goes. God wants me to be rich. That's not necessarily the case. God wants you to live an abundant life in him, a life of joy and peace and productivity for his kingdom. That's the abundant life he has for you. But when we lose our vision, we lose our passion and we lose our purpose for the kingdom of God. And we're in danger of being roadkill, born blind. Alexander Graham Bell says, when one door said, when one door closes, another opens. But we so often look upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is open for us. Isn't that so true? We look and see the closed door and we see regret and we see miss and we see loss and our heart is broken because we didn't go through the door we wanted to go through and we didn't get what we wanted to get. Yet God is saying right next to that closed door is an open door that is in my path that leads you to where I want you to go and is leads you to my abundance and leads you to my plan and my purpose. But we miss that open door because we're, we're so focused on the closed door that we wish we could have gone through. And David Jeremiah said, the only way for the corporate body of Christ will fulfill the mission of Christ, that will fulfill the mission Christ has given it, is for individual Christians to have a vision of fulfilling that mission personally. The only way the church is going to fulfill the mission that God has given to it is that if we as individual Christians fulfill that mission in our lives personally, we've got to have God's vision. What happens to believers when we lose our spiritual, spiritual vision? Well, we rebel against God's plan. That's for sure. And uh, we're starting to see rumblings of that with our nine-year-old boys. We're starting to see a little bit of an attitude. We're starting to see that individuality, not just from each other, but from mom and dad. And we're starting to see, especially for Aaron, I think I terrify them, but with Aaron, like, like your dad terrified you when you were a kid, right? Right? You speak up to Aaron, and Gabriel especially talks. And you wouldn't think it, was, it would be Gabriel, because Gabriel's really the quiet one, but, and Michael's kind of the, the smart aleck. But Gabriel, oh my gosh. And I just, I just say to him, Gabriel, you better think about that. <laughs> Make him apologize to his mom. And but man, as Christians, we get to that point, don't we? 
When we lose our vision, when we lose God's vision for us, we rebel against God's plan. I know better for my life. I know myself better than anybody. Really? God knows you better than you know yourself. What else happens? We become idle in our growth and our service. We become scattered as sheep, having no shepherd, and we become divided. Man, that's happening now. So many Christians are out of church and away from church. And I was talking with a pastor this week, and and, uh, their church isn't open. And he said, my people are going, those who are going to church are going to church all over the place. Like, They're going to church, man, but you're not having church. Does that not seem crazy to you? Your people are going to church. Listen, I don't care if you meet in the parking lot. I don't care if you meet at Big Y. Your people are going to church, but you're not meeting with them? What are you thinking? You see what I'm talking about? We're losing our vision. And when we lose our vision, we become scattered and divided. And what else happens? The lost perish. And they're lost for all eternity. Simply because believers didn't care enough. We're to avoid becoming roadkill. We must start to see like God, like God's worldview and not another. The third thing I see, the third lesson we need to learn that eagles forget is that eagles naturally eat live food. Eagles are not scavengers. Not naturally. They naturally eat live food. They're expert hunters. They don't need to take the easy way out. One of the reasons they get into such trouble on the road and they get hit is because they react too slowly and too late when a car is coming on if they're eating a carcass on the road. Eagles aren't like sparrows. They can't just take off. Eagles have to get a running start. And they take off too slow, and the car will hit them. There's no need for them to be there. And they shouldn't be there. Because eagles don't naturally eat dead food. Or food that they find dead. There's probably a better way to say that. Eagles hunt. Eagles kill their own A Christian follower of Jesus... We get ourselves into trouble when we consume what we're not supposed to consume. When we consume gossip. When we consume false teaching. When we consume bitter lies. When we give aid and comfort to those who just want to spread malice. Oh, but they need somebody to talk to. Would you show me in the Bible? I'm serious here. Would you show me in the Bible where it says that I have to give an ear to the person who just wants to spread garbage and lies? Nowhere. It's not in the Bible. The Bible does not say a gossip has to have somebody to listen to them. It's not there. The Bible doesn't say a divider has to have someone to listen to. Well, everybody needs someone. No, they don't. Go tell them to talk to God. Take their problem to the Lord in prayer. Because you know what happens? You start listening to that person and you start taking in. And what they, first of all, the burden they lay on you becomes so heavy that it weighs you down. Secondly, you start listening and you start becoming sympathetic to their cause. That's how church splits start. You start becoming sympathetic to what they have to say. And you start saying, well, there must be some truth to it. Okay, now you've started down a road that you never should have gone down in the first place. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Next time somebody wants to come and gossip to you or come and run, some, run another believer down or come and run the pastor and his family down to you, why don't you say this? Hey, let's sit down and have a Bible study first. Let's sit down and let's read the book of James first and see what James has to say about the tongue. And after we read that and after we find out what God has to say about gossip and lies and garbage talk between Christians, 
If you're still in the mood to talk to me about that, then maybe we can discuss it. Oh, that's, that's so spiritual. Exactly. Exactly. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What should you be consuming? The word of God. The word of God should be your go-to. John 1, 12 through 14, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word of God is what you should be consuming. Matthew 4, 19 and 20, Jesus said, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Where is that in your life, Christian? What are you, what are you feeding yourself during this time, during this pandemic, during this time where, there's, where, where everything is shut down and where you can't do what you used to do? And, and quite honestly, for most of us, except those of you, some of you are, are working more than you did before because you're making up for other people. But for quite a few of us, there's extra time. What are you filling that extra time with? Are you binge watching on Netflix or are you binge reading the word of God? That's a deep question. And the last lesson is this. Eagles teach and protect their children until maturity. You know how you can tell a bald eagle is mature? Their head is completely white. Once their head is completely white, they have reached maturity. Bald eagles aren't born with white heads. Their, their feathers change. And it usually takes between four and five years. And even after eagles leave the nest, the parent will still bring food to the, e to the baby eagle, to the eaglet. It will still feed that baby until that eagle reaches maturity. Just because it flies out of the nest doesn't mean that the mother and father leave it alone. They still take responsibility for that baby. When adult eagles begin to go against their instincts, the following generations are left without a good example. What happens to, that, what happens to those eaglets who aren't mature yet and yet their mother or their father is hit on the road and killed. They are now left to themselves to learn how to become an eagle. L.R. Nost said, it's not our job to raise our children up to face a cruel and heartless world. It is our job to raise children who will make the world a little less cruel and heartless. Isn't that what we're called to be as Christians? Light in darkness, loving and caring and compassionate for people in need. Yet we have become a group that is known for our animosity and our anger and our political rhetoric. That if you ask the average American today how you, what, what an evangelical is known for, I'll guarantee you, I'll guarantee you, tell me if I'm wrong, I'll guarantee you, I'd put it at 70% or higher. The average American who knows what an evangelical is would say an evangelical is a Republican. Am I lying? That's absolutely the truth, man. The average, evangel the average American would say evangelicals are Republican. Evangelicals are Trumpers, right? But wait a minute, <laughs> evangelical means I believe in evangelizing the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what an evangelical is. How did I not, how, we are no longer living as eagle Christians. We're living as counterfeit eagles. Eagles build eagles. Eagles don't take flight lessons from chickens. They just don't. Eagles build eagles. 
Proverbs 22, 6 says, start a youth on his way. Even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Gabriel walked up to me Friday. I was sitting at the dining room table. I was studying for my message and I was reading. I had a couple books that I'm reading and I was going from book to book. And I had my Bible open and he walked up and he says, Daddy, do you read your Bible every day? I said, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, Gabriel. And that's why we, and I went through a list of things that we do. Because my boys are getting to that age where they are getting, they, they are getting to, under, becoming, to understand what is important and what's valuable in life. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, don't stir up your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Can I, can I just, you know, Zach is still, Zach is still here uh, as he's preparing to go off and plant a church. So he's still working in the youth ministry. And uh, Jimmy Arias is working in there. And, and uh, Amber John is working in there. Can I, just, can I just give you something that is a benefit to them? And I think that will be a huge benefit to you as a parent um, in, in raising your children as a former youth pastor. Don't ever use church and the youth group as punishment. Don't use church and youth group. If you don't listen, you're, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If your family is to survive, if your church is to survive, we must pass our faith along to others. The only way to avoid being roadkill is to have a plan to avoid the danger. That plan comes from the Bible and fellowship with other believers in a local church. Christian, let me just bring this, and we're way over time right now, so let me wrap this up. Let me bring this whole series to a close here. It is amazingly heartbreaking to watch a Christian die as roadkill. Amazingly heartbreaking. The biggest reason why is because it's so avoidable. And I hope through this series you've learned and seen some things that will help you to understand you don't have to go this way. You don't have to be this way. There is a better way to live. There are better choices to make. You don't have to be roadkill. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for the time we were able to be here today, and thank you so much for your word and the truth of it. And God, I thank you for what I've gained from this series. Lord, there's been so, so much for me to learn. God, I pray that it, will, it has had an impact on others. Lord, I ask that as we go out from this place, Lord, I know we're tired, we're weary, and we've become into this, we, we've, we've fallen into this new normal. But Lord, I pray that we'll shake that off and get back to where we should be and start living our lives as followers of you. Lord, motivate us to be your children above all else. Bless us as we go. In your name we pray. Amen.